You're listening to Your Credit Today with your host, Angela Setters-Bissard, sponsored by Conquer Credit Management. Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whenever you're listening to this voice here. It's A to the N to the G. You're listening to Your Credit Today. And listen, if you have not become a subscriber, you better do it. You better hit that subscribe button and tell all your friends and family about what you're learning from this amazing show. And again, I have the distinct honor to welcome Samantha Headley back to the show. Hey, Sam. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about some questions that have come up from clients or from people that call us on a daily basis with different types of situations that they have to navigate through. So we're going to call it the Dear Credit Queen and dispel these questions and these, these problems that clients are having. So go for it, Samantha. Okay. Dear Credit Queen, I worked for a Fortune 500 company about seven months ago. As an executive, I carried a charge. I carried and charged a corporate American Express card. I turned in my expenses on a monthly basis and the company reimbursed me. And then I would pay the bill. I was always under the impression that the card was under the company's name and not mine, even though my name was on the card. It was a corporate card. Well, to make a long story short, I was laid off about seven months ago and forgot to turn in my expenses before I was let go. The bills kept coming, but I thought for sure that the company would pay them. My bad. But now I have a collection, no money, and I'm trying to get new jobs that pull my credit. What can I do, Credit Queen? Help me. Well, the first thing is I want to say that I'm really sorry that you are going through this experience. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people have these situations that pop up. And the biggest reason that these things pop up is because we don't ask the right questions. We always should know if we have a fiduciary responsibility to anything that we undertake. Specifically, when you are taking on a job and you have been given an expense report that you can turn in and they give you a credit card to put those expenses on, of course, you would think that, you know, naturally that you would not be on the hook for those expenses because you have the ability to turn those expenses in. But here's the key to what we just talked about. You have to prove to the company that those expenses were real. Because unfortunately, what happens in a lot of very large companies that have several executives that are charging things, they have found that executives will charge their personal belongings, their personal things on corporate credit cards that are not allowed. So this is the reason that corporate America, unfortunately, over the last several years has said, listen, no problem. We'll go ahead and pay your expenses, but you have to turn in a report along with the credit card bill showing us what you actually spent the money on. And I think what happened was, is you were used to, you know, doing the right thing and using the credit card for the right charges and whatnot. And somehow you thought that the corporation was receiving the bills at the same time. But unfortunately, friends, it's very, very important that if you sign up for something like that, that you know what's expected of them and you know what's expected of you. 
It's the very thing that I tell clients all of the time when they are either becoming a joint card holder with someone else or becoming an authorized user. An authorized user is very clear in terms of the terms of that agreement. And that means that you don't have any fiduciary responsibility to that credit card and you don't have to pay it back even if you used the whole thing. And that's why it's important also for the person that's making you an authorized user and allowing you to have access to that credit card that there are certain parameters that they put in place so that they don't become a victim of owing a lot of money when it was not them that was actually using the card. When you become a joint card holder, then you're jointly responsible for whatever happens with that particular credit card or creditor. So unfortunately, I'm I'm sorry that you're in this type of predicament and this situation, but this just goes to show you once again why you've got to ask those questions. Now, as far as you getting out of the collection and the problem, I think that first and foremost, because you did have an employment contract with this particular company you can go back to the company and say, hey, you know what? I made a mistake. I was receiving these bills and I was under the impression that when I was severed from the company that these bills were going to be paid. And unfortunately, they were never paid. You'll have to still turn in your expense report and prove that those charges were what you were doing when you were working for the company. And then you can get them to actually pay the American Express account. Now, one thing that this will do for you is if they actually pay it and it comes from them, then you'll have a fighting chance to work with American Express to remove the negative history and forgive you for the transaction that happened. But listen, friends, it's not guaranteed. But I would definitely say that you should handle the transaction that specific way. You can also ask your old employer, the human resources department, for something in writing stating that they were responsible for paying that bill. So if you collect all of the proper information and you're able to A, of course, get the bill paid, but B, have the right ammunition to contact American Express and ask them to audit and reconsider what they've reported on your credit history, you would be surprised that you will probably be successful. Samantha, do you have anything that you'd want to add to that? The only thing um, I think that I would want to add in terms of that is, you know, it's really important to know like what your financial obligations are. I know that sometimes we get bills in and they keep coming and we just think in our mind, but one of the worst mistakes that we can do is assume. So if you're getting a bill and you get one bill and you notice that that bill doesn't go paid, you should just jump on that right away. And I know that, you know, being laid off and circumstances are so heavy to deal with. And we deal with clients who unfortunately kind of just look away when things are going on. But if you just make an initial call to figure out what the bill is for or who's going to pay it or how it's going to get paid, you really want to take charge. If anything might possibly directly affect you and has your name on it, do not be passive with it. Go, you know, head first into it and figure it out. Protect your financial freedom as much as you can, no matter what. 
Absolutely. hundred percent. And that that's a really key point. You know, we shouldn't ignore bills that come in. You know, I'm a freak about my mail. Ralph always laughs at me, but you know, he's a freak too. But, you know, I open every single piece of mail, even if it looks like junk mail. Because for so many years, these 30 years that I've been doing this, I've heard so many times from clients say, well, I never received anything. And then they do receive it and they're like, oh my gosh, I thought this was junk mail. It's really important to open everything because you have no idea what's going on. So investigate. It takes you a couple of minutes. Only minutes. Only minutes to call and ask and they'll have all the information for you. And then you'll be armed with how to move forward. Absolutely. Let's go to the next question. Dear Credit Queen, I am in the middle of a divorce after being married for 22 years. We have shared everything these past several years as well as credit cards. Is it smart to just close the credit cards now and reopen new ones so that we are not joint on the accounts anymore or will that ruin our credit? Mm, That is a very good question. And I'm so glad that you are asking that. The first thing that I want to say is kudos to you for looking ahead. This is one of the things that I see a lot of people unfortunately don't do, which is plan ahead. And I've seen the results from couples that have had a tough divorce where there are late payments that are associated to an account that they are still joint cardholders on. Someone kept the house and the other spouse stayed on the loan. And unfortunately, the one spouse that's living there and is responsible for paying the debt unfortunately made some late payments and now it's affecting the other spouse that no longer lives there. And as a part of the divorce and the divorce decree, it was very clear that the other party was supposed to be responsible for making the payments. But listen, friends, a divorce decree does not save you and is not a safe house against information being reported to your credit history. So this is a great question that you're asking because it is vitally important that not only are you separating your assets, but you also separate your credit assets so that you're responsible for your own credit and not responsible for your ex and what they're doing. So yes, I would definitely say that it is important for you to close the cards that you have jointly and reopen new ones in your name, absolutely. Here's the thing that's going to happen, unfortunately, is through that process, your credit score will dip quite a bit because, you know, depending on how many credit cards you actually have. But it's important to know that it's only temporary. It's not going to be for a long time. And it's important that you do all of them at the same time. So I would figure out with your ex and, of course, with your attorneys, who owes what so that if you do have a joint card together, and let's say you were both using it, when you shut the card down, remember that there's still going to be a balance due on that credit card. And you cannot just leave that for happenstance. You've got to take care of it. Because Samantha, what have we seen happen when people forget that there's still a balance due on that credit card? Late, 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 late charge off bad credit. That's what happens. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So you've got to plan ahead. Now, 
There are some credit card companies that when this happens, they are willing to transfer what it is that you owe to the new credit card. So let's just hypothetically say that you've come to an agreement and you have two credit cards that you're going to pay off the balances. What you're going to do is you're going to call that credit card company and say, you know, unfortunately, I'm going through a divorce. I want to close the current credit card that I have right now that's joint with you know, Mr. Smith or whoever it is. And I now want a new credit card, a new account in my name, and you can transfer what it is that I owe or what's owed on this card to that new card. And a lot of banks and financial institutions will do that. But you have to ask, okay? It's very, very important to ask. But I love this question because again, you are planning ahead and you're not planning to fail. You know, you will be successful in doing this. So good luck to you. What's the next question? The next question, it says, Dear Credit Queen, My wife and I have lived in our current home for 14 years, but due to my latest financial struggle, we are going to short sale our home. What can we do right now to make sure that we will be able to buy another home in the next couple of years? And is that even possible for us to do? Absolutely. Once again, we have another couple that is planning ahead. And I love this because unfortunately, friends, you know, storms do come, but it's how we weather those storms that we get to the other side. And I think that this is a great question. And I think it's very admirable of you to ask this. A hundred percent, I would say that you will be able to buy again. Now, I don't know what the guidelines are going to be like going into 2021. Obviously, there has been a lot that has fractured our world. There has been a lot that has fractured the economy. And as a result, a lot of banks and financial institutions are trying to level their feet and figure out how they're going to weather this storm from COVID-19. So I would say that the best course of action for you would be to talk to a lender and find out what they're hearing about how long you'll have to wait to purchase again if you have a short sale. Now, what I happen to know just from talking to people right now is that four years will have to lapse before you can purchase again. But again, Things may change and they make that they may make that a lesser amount of time or it may be a longer amount of time. But it's very important for you to ask your lender. The second part of that is what I see happen a lot of times when someone is going through this type of situation is they really just give up and let everything go. So you know what? I'm going to have to give up my house. So I'm just going to stop paying all of my bills. And that's the worst thing that you can do. Because friends, in the midst of the storm, if you continue on and you continue to pay your creditors, it shows good faith. And let's say down the road, you do want to purchase another home. And it is that four years. Trust me, those underwriters are going to look at that specifically to see if you continue to pay your other creditors, even though the misfortune happened that you had to short sell your house. So don't stop paying your credit card companies because you're going through this. Continue to pay them, continue to get out of debt, continue to build your credit so that when the time comes for you to purchase again, you're in a good position. 
Because as the short sale gets older and the very fact that you continue to make the payments until the short sale actually happened, you won't have any late payments associated to your credit history. You'll only have the negative comment that it was sold for less than the full value. Okay. So yes, it will affect your credit history, but it's not going to affect your credit history as much as it would if you had late payments associated, a notice of default associated, as well as you not paying your obligations to the additional creditors that you had at that time. So friend, very, very important. If you plan, which it sounds like you do, if you're planning on buying another house, these are very, very important things that you should practice going forward. It's the very same thing that I tell people that unfortunately have to file a bankruptcy. You know, just because you're filing a bankruptcy doesn't mean that as soon as the bankruptcy is over that you shouldn't be rebuilding your credit because things change. Life changes. Although you're going through a circumstance and a storm right now, those things can change for the better in the coming years and you want to be ready for when you want to take action and get a new car or you want to get a new home or whatnot. Building your credit and sustaining your credit and having really good habits when it comes to that, when it's time for you to execute those dreams or those things that you want to do, you'll be happy that you did this. So moving right along, let's take the next question. Dear Credit Queen, I am a single mother with three boys. My husband died from cancer over six years ago and left my children and myself with a small fortune. I want my children to learn the value of credit and money. I don't know how to do that properly as that was always my husband's place as the financial guru of the family. Also, how can I help my children build credit so that they can stand on their own without asking me to co-sign for their first car or apartment, etc.? Any advice, Credit Queen, would be so helpful to help me. Mm. We're going to defer to the credit princess on this one because I know that she has not, not because she's been married and has kids, but because she has been a kid or a young adult and has built her credit and learned the tactics and learned how to build things so that she has a sustainable future. So Samantha, why don't you give light to that a little bit? Well, I... um love to do this now for clients. I have, you know, even spoken with a few clients' children to help, you know, educate them and kind of give them information about utilizing credit cards and opening student loans and doing those types of things and what to know and what types of questions to ask. So I would say... As far as the, you know, teaching your children to learn the value of credit and money, there are a lot of things out there right now that you can do. The biggest thing that you want to do is, you know, add your children as an authorized user on one of your credit cards. Now, you don't have to give them the card. So don't, you know, a lot of parents like, well, I don't want them to have access to my credit card. I can definitely understand that. My father would feel the same way. However, if you add them as an authorized user, that good history populates so that they have all of this credit history that they don't technically earn on their own. So when my best friend went to purchase her first car, her credit score was higher in the 700s because she was an authorized user on a gas card that her parents had had for several years. So she was actually able to buy her first car. Now, whenever your kid's going to go buy their first car, they are going to have to put down 
a larger portion of money. That's going to be for anyone who is establishing new auto credit, because as we have learned with the Credit Queen, is that auto history and auto credit scores are much different from your financial or consumer scores. So anytime you're just first establishing auto history, you're always going to have to put a little bit more money down to get the payment that you want for the car that you want. However, if you you know have your kids kind of put away money, have them to start saving for it, you know, um, if they don't work, you can do different types of, you know, rewards or chores or things like that, or have them do summer jobs any way that they can save money, have them start putting money away for their first car, you know, teaching them about what it is like to buy a car, you know, what it means to have a car and a payment. And so many people think about, okay, well, I need my car payment to be $200 because that's what I can afford. And I'm like, okay, I totally understand that. Now, what can you afford for your insurance? What can you afford for your gas? What can you afford for upkeep? These are all Uh different types of things that you have to No, not something that I talked about. Whenever I was 18 and my dad was buying me my first car, I said, Dad, I want a Jeep Wrangler, nothing else. If you don't get me a Jeep Wrangler, then we're not family. And I was, (laughs) and if, you know, I'm a, I'm definitely, you know, daddy's little girl, you know, gets what she wants type of thing for my dad. And my dad for the first time was like, absolutely not no chance. I'm not buying you one. I'm not buying you one. And I stayed on him. And and he was like, he's Smith. You want to know why I won't buy you one? Because I don't want to have to pay for the gas. I don't want to have to pay for the insurance because that's stuff that you're not going to be able to financially maintain at 18. So also it helped that he reset my expectations because I thought I was just going to come out here with a car of my dreams. And he kind of taught me, he was like, we need to get you a starter car. And then you're going to use that car to get, you know, your next car. It still might not be your dream car, but you're just going to keep building your history and building it so that when I did go buy my Jeep Wrangler, I didn't have to put any money down. I didn't have to, you know, have a high payment. I could negotiate for the interest rate and payment that I wanted because when I went to buy my Jeep Wrangler 10 years later, I had a 790 auto score. So right. But the other reason that you had a really good score and the ability to get a really good loan was not just because you bought cars before, but also because you maintained a really good credit history with other loans and credit cards that you had. To your point, as far as being an authorized user on a credit card, what happens with that is, is that you're piggybacking off whoever's credit card that was and obtaining that amazing longevity of credit history that that particular person, or as you said, your parents have created over the years, as well as that utilization factor. But it's very important also for you, once you have that, for you to maintain and create your own. So what I tell parents to do is not only add them as an authorized user, but now that you've done that, you need to get them a custodial credit card, specifically if these are kids that are, you know, 16. Get them a custodial credit card, walk into the bank, open a bank account, show them how to look at their bank account, show them how to look at their register and take care of understanding what kind of money is going out and what kind of money is going in. Very, very important for us to know and understand the value of credit and money. And so I think what you learned, Samantha, was a very, very amazing lesson from your dad who showed you that, just like you said, a lot of us are only interested in what's my payment going to be 
but we don't realize that there are other elements that come into owning a car, owning a home, having a credit card, compound interest, all of those things. And I think your question, um, mom, as far as teaching your three boys, I think it's amazing that you're thinking ahead. And I would say, take the time to sit down with your kids and show them even the mistakes maybe that you have made and how they don't need to make those mistakes because you're sharing that information with them right now. Let them make mistakes. Let them, you know, overspend while they're young so that they can understand when they get older that overspending's not a good idea. So it's all about habits and training habits, but also about planning ahead and having a plan at the end of the day. Yes, 100%. And that is so important. I think it's the best step that you can take is just, you know, my mom when I turned 18, she did the same thing on a money side. She cut me off. She said, you know, rent is due. Granted, it was $100. You know, she kind of really taught me and stopped me, started teaching me right out of the way how to budget. And I think that that's so important. At 18, I was like, why are you doing this to me? But, you know, at 28, I'm like, wow, the information that I have at this age that I'm still seeing some of my friends who haven't learned or are still learning as I'm so, so grateful. And I'm grateful to be able to pass that around to the people, you know, that are in my circle as well and teach them some of the things that I've been taught by you and my mom and, you know, just being in the industry. And I think it's just such a value that you can give to your kids by teaching them early. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's go to our last question that we have here. Okay. Dear Credit Queen, I have several collections on my credit report due to an accident that I was involved in about a year ago. When I settled the case with the attorney, he assured me that all of my medical bills would be paid for through settlement. He was right. They did pay them, but now I have 14 collection accounts on my credit report showing paid, but still killing my FICO score as well as my ability to get credit in the dream job I was going after. A bank even turned me down to open up a checking account. What next help SOS. First and foremost, I want to say, friend, I'm really sorry that you're going through this. But I also want to tell you that if you were monitoring your credit report, you wouldn't have this happening. We've talked about this in past shows, how vitally important it is to monitor your credit. Unfortunately, you had medical bills, doctor bills, all kinds of chiropractic bills, whatever it is that were a result of the accident. And unfortunately, what happens is, is if your attorney does not contact all of the medical providers that you had and provides them with information that you are in the middle of a lawsuit or receiving some information from your injuries, then they will send these accounts out for collection because ultimately you are responsible for the debt no matter what's going on. So friends, if you have been in an accident and you're starting to receive bills, don't just ignore them like we talked about. It's very important to contact all of these collection agencies and or medical providers and let them know that they are going to be paid that you are in the midst of, you know, a lawsuit with the insurance company and the insurance company is going through the process of providing you with payment so that you can pay them so that they will not report this information to a third-party collection agency. And a lot of times your attorney will have to contact them and let them know 
that the lawsuit or the payment will come in six months or nine months or whenever it will come. But communication is utterly important. You can't just receive collection accounts and say, oh, no problem. I'm going to go ahead and take care of those when I get the money. No, you have to communicate and dispute the information in writing, whether it's you or it's your attorney, letting them know that they will be paid. You're just not paying them right now because really it's not your bill to pay. The insurance company is going to pay it. So now that you have this situation where you have all of these collection accounts showing on your credit report, what you need to do is go back to your attorney and have him write you a letter that you were going through the lawsuit with the insurance company and how long it actually took. And they will be able to see in their records who they were paid by. And you can actually send the letter to those collection agencies asking them to reconsider removing that from your credit report because it was paid by a third party and it should have been disputed by your attorney way earlier. And I can tell you most of the time, these collection agencies, because they have laws that they have to follow, they most of the time will remove that information. But it's going to be a lot of work now to actually remove those collection accounts because you didn't ahead of time have your attorney combat that issue and or yourself when you received that information. Remember, friends, when you go to a doctor's office, okay, why is it that you think that you sign in. You sign in because now you are accepting responsibility for that appointment, okay? The doctor has set aside a half an hour or an hour to serve you. And so if you get up and you walk out of the doctor's office and you never get the service, guess what? You're still going to get a bill because you signed in that you wanted to receive those services. So really, really important that you do not ignore bills that come to you, that you pay attention. And specifically when you have been in an accident or a victim of an accident, and you do have an attorney working for you, you should ask that attorney for documentation that you are in the process of a legal representation and that you should be getting a payout in whenever it is, three to six months. Then you can take that documentation and submit it to the hospitals, doctors, lawyers, whoever is involved in trying to collect money from you. But again, if you don't certify this information, if you don't communicate ahead of time, then you can only expect, unfortunately, the worst to happen. But again, you can go back, hopefully, and unwind this. And I I wish you all the best. And I'm glad that you actually brought this up so that we can educate our other friends and clients out there in your Credit Today land. So friends, I hope that this has been good. Samantha, did you have anything you wanted to add as far as that is concerned with the collections? I want to say that, you know, make sure that even when you do fight and the collectors agree to delete, that you send those deletion letters to the credit agencies and you make sure that those collections get removed from your credit report. Too many times have we had clients who have had situations like this, Angela, where the medical collector, you know, is needing to delete and we call and we negotiate for a deletion letter and, you know, we're speaking to someone's, oh, well, this this was actually already supposed to be removed from their credit report four years ago. And it's just, 
because they don't want to pay to report and update information that they just kind of let it go. So you still have to be responsible again for what is on your name. You have to be responsible for your own credit report. So if something is supposed to get updated, if something is supposed to get deleted, you can't consider it resolved until you're looking at a copy of your credit history that shows that it's been removed and is resolved. Absolutely. And that goes back to that monitoring your credit. Mm-hmm. You know, really, really important. Go back and listen to the show about monitoring your credit. Well, friends, thank you so much for showing up to your credit today. Once again, if you have not subscribed, hit that subscribe button so you automatically get the alerts and it goes into your podcast box when we have a new show. We know that we enjoy you listening to it. And um, we're going to just sit this right here. You're listening to Your Credit Today with Sam and Ange. I hope you have a good rest of your week. Bye-bye. Bye.